Welcome to the Kelowna Real Estate Podcast with your host, award-winning realtor, Matt Glenn, and top producing mortgage broker, Taylor Atkinson. Professionals in the industry, enthusiastic entrepreneurs, and successful investors. When it comes to real estate, we're all in. All right. How's it going, Taylor? Very well, Matt. How are you doing? Very well. Things are going super well. Being yeah. a dad is a... Uh, it's a crazy situation. <laughs> I knew I was going to love it. I love it. Yeah. It's like... I know that when you talk to other parents, the potato stage can kind of go either way when the baby is just uh, there. But man, I am just soaking it up and loving every second of it. What's after the potato stage? Like, is it French fry stage? Or? No, I haven't got there. Oh, oh yeah, no, yeah, I, yeah. You know, you get a lot of the early fry stage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get a lot of the cliche, like, oh, it gets better each day, gets better, and it does. Yeah, it's every wild. Every day has been awesome. Like Beck and I have just been having a time, and we love Julian has been the best. So yeah, yeah it's been great. Good. Well, speaking about youth and kids and upbringing, um, we wanted to touch on the importance of owning property. Uh, Yeah, we really, like Taylor and I were talking, like obviously we're both literally all in on real estate, but like we just wanted to talk about how and what the difference is between owning homes and not owning homes. Yeah. And we want to preface this with, we understand like a huge barrier of entry is the down payment and income to qualify. And we're not trying to take anything away from the struggle of actually being able to purchase something yeah, like it is. Crazy. Like we yeah. That. It is really hard, you know, specifically in certain areas in BC, Vancouver, Kelowna. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we have empathy towards that. We're not trying to talk down on anybody, but we, we're here to help and try and create solutions to be able to get into the market. Yeah. Cause we do feel pretty passionately that it is the best way to grow your wealth. Yeah. Like what the, the prices are high and it is hard to get in, but once you get in, like your financial future is fundamentally different than if yeah. you ever bought a house. Like it is just crazy. I have this quote here. I just want to read from stats camp. This was printed in November of last year. So it said, according to the survey of financial security, the net worth of homeowners of all ages rose from 323,700 in 1999 to 685,400 in 2019. In comparison, the net worth of renters went of all ages rose from fourteen thousand six hundred to twenty four thousand in the same period. So we have here homeowners being average net worth of six hundred eighty five thousand and renters uh, twenty four thousand. And yeah. I think most of that, like this, is just what I think. That is from appreciation, eh? Price growth in the market and yeah. mortgage pay down. Yeah, mortgage pay down. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it. In the short term, like when you go from month to month, you might be paying a little bit more as a homeowner and you obviously have to come up with the down payment, but that money grows exponentially over time. I think your your monthly budget is a little bit more on the mortgage side, but if you just consider that principal pay down is essentially like a savings account, you know, the interest on your mortgage compared to the rent, they're probably going to be pretty similar. So to break that down a little bit, we just did um, like a, a hypothetical. If you were to buy a one bedroom property in Kelowna right now, like a, a condo somewhere, uh, and we'll just use around 500,000 as a purchase price. I think that's some that are cheaper. And there's obviously some that are more, but like that's a- yeah. So just, yeah. just for the math of it. So about a $500,000 purchase price for a one bedroom place. Um, and we'll use like a $400,000 mortgage. So you're going to be putting a, a hefty amount down. That would put your mortgage payment at about twenty three hundred bucks a month. Sixteen hundred dollars of that would go towards interest, and that's just in the beginning stages. 
you know, obviously as you do principal pay down, that will go less. So $700 is towards your principal, $1,600 towards your interest. The same one bedroom, again, hypothetical, would rent for around $1,750 a month. So you're actually, you're about $150 net positive if you were to buy. And then if we just did like a 5% appreciation on that $500,000, you know, you're making $25,000 annually. So another $2,083 a month. So, you know, you're looking close to 2,800 bucks a month that you're basically increasing your net worth every single month, just on a $500,000 property, not like life changing by any means, but like Matt said, as soon as you're in the market, you're in the market, you do that for five or 10 years and $2,800 a month. Yeah. That is life changing. Yeah. In the long term ways to get in properties like that. Like if, if the barrier of entry is the down payment, um, there are certain lenders that you can work with that allow, you know, partial gifted down payments, um, other types of, uh, lines of credit that you could use. You could do partnerships, you know, team up with friends, family, maybe your parents bring them on as co-signers and give you a gifted down payment. You could do a a gifted down payment and then have an agreement where you, you get your parents, if they own their own home, probably have a lot of equity or someone, no, it doesn't have your parent, like if someone yeah. that you trust or they trust you has a lot of down payment, they could loan you the money and you could just have in the agreement that you're not going to refinance that house or sell it. And the, you do, the first thing that happens is they get paid out first. So the current mortgage would get paid out and then they would be paid out. And then you would be, that would get you in the market and you, and then you start like go from there. Yeah. Not to get overly technical about it. I know you hate the mortgage stuff, but a gifted down payment for pretty much all of those lenders has to be a direct relative and there can't be any like repayment structure on that. If you wanted to do like a loan from somebody else, we'd have to put that in the debt servicing calculation and make sure you could afford it. But anyways, obviously reach out and we can kind of talk about those strategies. Yeah. What, what's another strategy? Partnering up. So buying with a partner. Yeah. Coming up with half the down payment each and then splitting them. Yeah. And there's a lot of, I mean, there's a handful of properties that, you know, if I was younger, living with a roommate, isn't such a bad idea. If you have a a basement suite, you know, you split up the property 50%. If you're talking about a single family house, that's $800,000, but it has a basement suite. That's 400,000 bucks each, basically that you could take on from a liability point of view. There's lots of creative ways to do it. It's just about getting in the market to start with. Obviously, it is hard to get in the market, and that is the biggest thing. But the yeah. difference between, like, once you get in the market, you're so much, you're just set. I mean, most people, again, we're just like stereotyping, so I don't want to, like, yeah, make anyone feel bad about these situations. But most people have a car, yeah. right? It kind of like inherently, we buy cars before you buy a, a house. Yeah. Say the average car is about $25,000. If you sell that car and you have $25,000 in cash, you know, that's a 5% down payment, anything less than $500,000. We can use 5% down. So there, there's your down payment. Obviously we still have to qualify you on the mortgage side of things. As soon as you get into the house, like to finance a car is so much easier than a house. So then you can just walk back onto the car lot and get another car. Like there, there's a lot of different ways from a high level. If we look at your financial portfolio, I'm sure there's a plan or a strategy that we can lay out over the next 12, 24 months. You know, we could help you get into a property. Another a recent client of mine, and this is kind of uh, part of the reason why I wanted to do the show. I know Matt's been wanting to talk about this for a while. 
you know, for his specific property, we did a refi and we did some debt consolidation and just kind of like reworked a budget a little bit, a pretty big win, I think all around and have a strategy to, to pay down that mortgage faster. He was pretty shell-shocked that over a three-year term, like we did a three-year fixed on a 30-year AM, you know, there was roughly about a hundred thousand dollars of interest payments over that three-year term, which is it is, it's super expensive. You know, that is a lot of money. But if you consider that, you know, this is a million dollar property with say a $700,000 mortgage, if that property appreciates 5% a year, year after year, which, you know, I don't want to encourage speculation, but this is like historical data. Like we're pretty safe to say most properties are appreciating 5%. That's $150,000 net gain, tax-free net gain. So take away the hundred thousand he's spending on interest, you still up $50,000 over a three-year period. Like if anyone was asked the question, Hey, do you want $50,000 after three years? This is all you got to do is sign up for this debt. Like, yeah, it's, there's obviously risk to it. And it, you know, it's hard to swallow that pill, but just think of the big picture. And then you just continue to scale that as you go for your net worth. So yeah, anything you want to add in on there? Yeah. It's kind of, this goes back into when you start buying rental properties is like, if the numbers work, it just works. Like it, it goes like, yeah, the interest is high. Like, especially right now, the interest payments are higher than normal. But if, if you can make the payments and if they, it works, you're still going to gain money. In the, you're still going to be up in the long run. Yeah. Right. And so, I mean, so there's, there's three ways to make money on those rental properties, right? Is appreciation, principal pay down, and then tax efficiencies. So obviously you're, you're well, for a rental property. Yeah. So you're getting rental well, income. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Appreciation, mortgage pay down, cash flow, tax advantages. Yeah. So, I mean, the tax advantages, cash flow, they're, they're kind of one and the same in the sense, like if you're profiting, great, times are great. You're, you're declaring that income. If you're not, you're gaining those write-offs. So you're not going to be paying tax on that. So it allows you to basically grow your wealth um, with a tax deferral, and then you can plan capital gains in the future. Obviously, when rates are a little bit higher, maybe you're not cash flowing that well, but then you're not going to pay so much on tax and vice versa. But on a larger scale, like we're all about transparency on this podcast. And again, not trying to like say one thing's correct and one thing's not. But for me specifically, like I just did my year end with my accountant a few months ago. So I'll just review this here. So I paid $196,600 in mortgage interest payments in 2022. So nearly $200,000 in interest payments. Um, I carry a lot of debt, you know, but it's good debt. Like debt's got such a bad stigma associated to it. And like Matt said, as long as the numbers work and there's a margin of profit there, you know, like if I'm looking at appreciation on my portfolio, it's far greater than that interest payment. And then there's the principal pay down and tax planning in my corporation. I'm not saying just go out and get bad debt and get high interest payments. And you're like, yeah, I have the highest interest payment. I must be growing my wealth exponentially. (laughs) Like that's not how it works. Like obviously you have to analyze it and work with professionals, accountants, financial planners, real estate agents, brokers, et cetera. That's how you grow wealth, right? So you just need to get into the market. Exactly. You get into the market for the average person. You get into the market, you buy something, your first home, usually it's, I don't know, a small house or a condo or something like that. You live in it for a few years. It grows in value. And like when you buy houses, you're buying them leverage, right? So like if a property grows, if you buy a $500,000 property and it grows 10% up, that's now 550,000, but you've only say put 20% down. 
you're actually that 10% appreciation is actually a 50% appreciation of your money because it went from, yeah, you know, like you went from a hundred thousand dollars down to one fifty. Yeah. It's one of the only investments you can really leverage other people's money in. I mean, you can do that with other yeah. investments, but it gets super risky because it's quite a bit more volatile. Yeah, exactly. But like the way this helps you is that you can grow your house faster than the market, right? So if you can, if you start, if you get into the market, you can get into a nicer, if you uh, buy a place for 500,000 and just live in it for five years, like just that's your house for five years. And at the end of your mortgage term, you just go to buy, you're going to have so much more buying power just because of how much equity you gain. Yeah. Right. So like, then you can move on. So once you do that and you're comfortable, you can then use your equity to start buying a rental property. And then now you have houses growing, like your rental income growing times two. So you have your principal residence and now you have a rental property growing. So now you have two properties that are appreciating in the market. When you buy the second or buy your first rental property, as long as the numbers, the cash flow is enough to pay for all your bills, like your mortgage, your taxes, your utilities, all that kind of thing. It's really not much of a downside here. And it's, it is fundamentally changing your future. Yeah. Some years it is better to rent, like to be completely like to try and play both sides of the coin. Like there's in probably in the past 12 months, there's probably a lot of people that were renting that financially did a little bit better in their net worth at a high level. Maybe they were six or $7,000 ahead than a homeowner that was paying like on a variable rate mortgage where their interest payment went up much higher than they expected. It's probably going to be a very small window, like maybe one out of every 20 years, you might be better well, off renting. Like, is like a yo-yo on escalator. It's going up and down. So there will be years where the, your price, your host price was lower than it was last year. Yeah. But then the following year, it's going to be higher, right? So it's a long-term game. Real estate is not a short-term play. If you start doing short-term play, it turns into speculation because you just have no idea. But over the long-term, like we're talking five, 10, 20 years, it's almost certain that your property is going to be worth way more than it is today. Yeah. Right. Like it's not going to be worth every year more than it was a year before, but in the 20 years, it's going to be worth more than that first year. And there are value add things that you can do as a, as a homeowner, you know, you could buy a place that's needs a little bit of cosmetic love and you could put that sweat equity into it yourself a little bit. There's just so many different opportunities when you're owning your own house that you can add value to it. But to speak about the, the hard part to come up with the down payment, like, how did you get your first place? I saved up a down payment. We bought it 10% down. Our, we bought our house for 280000 We put $30,000 down in 2012. Yeah. So we bought it 10% down. That, when we sold that place seven or eight years later, it was $750,000. Right? Yeah. Like that's, you can't plan yeah. on appreciation like that. Like that. We did not buy that place because we were in North Sudamas. We just didn't. Yeah. We, we got lucky. Right. We wanted to buy a house. We bought it. And it went up, but like everybody. Well, you got lucky, but I feel like everyone's been getting lucky for the last 50 years owning real estate. Exactly. Right. I'm just saying like, we weren't geniuses. We didn't do this because we knew something someone else didn't. We bought a house that just happened to go crazy in value. Right. Which was all the properties around me and basically all a clone. What that did is allowed me to use that equity to buy rental properties. Yeah. So now we have this going. So during the pandemic, we had three properties all rising through the crazy market. We would have never been able to do that if we didn't buy that first property eight years ago. We yeah. would have just, it would have not been possible. Yeah. So for me, like, a, well, I did a partnership for my very first property. 
I don't think I was actually on title on that one, but there was three of us, like I had a very small partnership in it. So it was very easy to get in that way. But my own property I owned outright was a condo and it was a a pre-construction outright. What do you mean by that? Well, just like I didn't have any partners. Yeah. So the, the first condo I bought myself, the developer was like eager to get people in. So he allowed me to do, um, I mean, it was a 5% down cause it was CMHC insured owner occupied all that stuff. Yeah. But so I needed to pay him 5% down to get the property. Yeah. He allowed me to pay 5% down over a three month period. So I signed the paperwork, the property was going to be built, I think complete in about a year. So I had three months to basically do 5% down. It was 15 grand over that three months. So every month I would just cut him a check for five grand and I was basically living off credit cards and scrounging together everything I could. And then for the next, you know, nine months leading up to that, I was just saving up some money so I could be prepared to move in and and make mortgage payments and stuff. And I mean, that's not as lucrative as a strategy because most developments now require a little bit more down. Some are between 10 to 20%. I know there was one released recently that I think they had like a promo where you could put 7% down. So that could also be a strategy for someone is if they could come up with that initial down payment of maybe five or 10% down to get that pre-built condo. And then you have three or four years, the property is most likely going to appreciate during that time. You could still rent or live with your parents or something, but then once you close on it, you already have equity in it. You already have your down payment sorted out. Like you have years to plan this, right? So there is that opportunity too. Yeah. That is a strategy to use for sure. So you knew that it was going to be real estate like from when, when you were quite young, like 18, 19, right? Oh yeah. I was a genius. I knew exactly what I was saying. No, I, I, yeah. Like most people, I think I just uh, had some good peers around me and they, they made some recommendations and they, like, I didn't really, they were my peers, man, <laughs> I, I did not, they were probably telling you the same thing. You like, just, my dad, when I was a kid, like he always said, you have to own things to get ahead in life. Like you have to own things to get rich. Right. So like what he meant was like real estate businesses, patents, lots of stocks, stuff like that. Right. But it wasn't really real estate. So like when I bought my house, when I was, I don't know, 25 or something, it was like, I didn't do that for Financial. I knew it would help me financially, but I didn't really know how. I just basically did it so that I could have our own place and I could renovate it. Yeah. And like, that's why we did it. It ended up working out super well, but like, I just didn't know that. And even after I owned the house, I didn't, once I started getting lots of equity, I didn't, I still didn't know that I could use equity to buy a place until I finally talked to somebody, talked some sense into me. And then I got in there, right? And it has yeah. changed our lives completely yeah. ever since I found that out. And that was not that long ago. Once you know, that kind of thing, it, it changes your life pretty quick. I mean, what's the flip side to this to argue like not to, to own, obviously there's the down payment issue. People could say like the volatility on interest rates, you know, your payment will be yeah. higher to counter that. I'd say, well, at least we have control of the property. If a landlord wants to kick you out or increase rates, or there's a deficiency in your home that isn't being taken care of, you know, there's obviously a risk towards that. I think most people want to be homeowners and it's just hard to get in. I, yeah. And honestly, I cannot stress enough that how much sympathy I have for that. Yeah. It, the prices are going up and it is a serious barrier of entry. But like the flip side of that is once you're in, you are in such a different position, right? So like just get in anyway, yeah. like buy any condo, like just any kind of real estate in a good market, like Kelowna, obviously I believe in this market, pretty much anything you buy in the city is going to 
go up in value and help you out. Sounds like a true realtor. There well, I, <laughs> no, you're right. I agree. Detroit, I agree. Right? We're yeah. not Detroit. Whoa, whoa. This is a, we do have listeners from Detroit. <laughs> do we? We apologize. I apologize yeah. to the one listener from Detroit. Unless that lake dries up, we our real estate market is yeah. pretty good. In the long run, it's going to be good. There's more people coming here than there are leaving, and there's only so much land. We understand it's a hard to get in the market, but once you get in the market, it's different, right? So like we all know that everybody wants to be in the market. There seems to be a bit of a lot of people don't want to be landlords. Just think about this from a retirement perspective. I know a lot of people, they buy their house and they like looking at the stat, the average homeowner in 2019's net worth was 685000 You think that's a lot of money to retire. But when you go to retire and you just have one, your principal residence, like what's the plan there? Are you never going to break your mortgage? You're never going to refinance to get some money out of your mortgage until you retire? Or are you going to sell it and buy and then become a renter or like try and downsize? Like what is the plan to retire on your principal residence? Like it, it, when you think about it, it doesn't make that much sense to, to yeah. do that. But if you have just one rental property, say you buy one rental property when you're in your thirties or forties and you retire when you're 65, that one rental property will either be paid off completely by the time you retire and you can just retirement plan could be the rental income or you could just at that point sell that and have a huge lump sum lump sum of cash to retire on or like what do you think taylor yeah well i mean even to take it one step further for like generational wealth if you're listening to this and you're in your 40s or 50s and you already have a rental property and you think "Ah, i'm I'm good with one what about your children obviously you just had a son what about buying him a place like you put it on a 25 year amortization yeah. and in 25 years when, you know, he's, have about that he's mid twenties, yeah. you're like, Hey, here's a property. Now they have a place to live. They could refinance it buy another place. Like that's how you build generational wealth. And like, yeah, it's really tough to get into the market right now, but that onus should really be on us as parents to have some, some foresight and actually like plan so for them. It's really only hard to buy your first property, right? Like it's obviously hard to do that after, but like, the first property is so much harder than any other property you buy. Yeah. Because just because of the leverage that you can use, like you're, the properties are gaining, you're just in such a different position once you have one property. Yeah. And there are, like, there should be way more programs from the government and from lenders to allow yeah. first time home buyers to get into the market. Yeah. I've touched on this before. I really feel strongly that, you know, for a first time home buyer, they should stretch it out to maybe like a 40 or a 50 year amortization help them qualify for those easier monthly payments, at least just to get into the market. And there are like programs, recent ones that have been changed as the first time home buyer. Um, it used to just be on RSPs and now there's like the tax-free savings account. So there's a, there's some programs that they've continuously been coming out with over the last few years. They're trying to help. I don't think they're great. The one recently last month is, is actually probably one of the better products they've come out with. You know, you can do a little bit of research on that stuff and again, speak to financial planners and make a plan to come up with a down payment. Yeah. And partner up, like we said, or do some other creative uh, financing to try and get in there. Yeah. You know, one other thing you could do is if Kelowna is too expensive of a market, but you want to live here, you could rent here and buy somewhere else. Like I do have clients that have done that. So, you know, they're renting a a very nice house here, but they own, you know, a rental property in Edmonton 
or Northern BC or somewhere that it cash flows a little bit more. And we've had people on the podcast, like even, you know, Russell Morlock. Um, He's got a great portfolio. I think what he has six or seven properties, some duplexes in there. So a handful of doors that cash flow really well that essentially pay for his rent out here until he's ready to buy a property that he wants out here. But just because you can't afford in Kelowna right now, doesn't mean you can't afford somewhere else where it's a better return on investment. And then once that builds equity, you can sell that and then buy here if you want. But um, yeah. Yeah. Or you can even go even farther, like someone like Saskatchewan or something, but it's supposed to go crazy, super affordable to buy there. Like it's just getting in the market is key here. Like, yeah. Getting in the market and waiting a little while, then your options are open to everything. Yeah. Right. So I just wanted Taylor and I just want to jump on here and stress that because I've been hearing quite a bit of the opposite which is easier, less stress to this rent. And it's just like, I understand that people will do that. It'll always be a thing, but I just, in the long run, I think you should think about that closer. Yeah. No one ever said they, they regret owning a home or owning a rental. Yeah. Well, I think actually some people do regret owning a rental, but it's usually because of horror stories with tenants and stuff like that. Yeah. And those obviously exist, but there are ways to remedy, like remedy those kinds of things too. I will say like, I, I would like to be a renter if my landlord was Matt, because you still have people over for dinner, right? <laughs> Honestly, I, yeah, you should, Taylor. Accept the application. <laughs> yeah, I'd be a terrible tenant. I'd be very entitled. Okay, well, um, yeah, you got to get going to do some showings, and yeah. uh, I've got to get back to work. So, thanks for tuning in, guys. Next week we'll we'll have a guest on, but yeah, we thought you guys just wanted to hear our voice a little bit more. <laughs> have a great day, guys. Thanks. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Kelowna Real Estate Podcast. Be sure to reach out and let us know how else we can add value to your Kelowna real estate journey. Please show some support by hitting the like, share, and subscribe button. This is sponsored by Matt Glenn Real Estate and Taylor Adventure Mortgages.